Blog Talk Radio. Definitely go check some of those out, as well as 
uh, touching Hollywood and getting uh, some Hollywood directors and writers and producers and talent agents and managers um, on the show to provide value for all our different actors and actor friends who also like to um, listen in and uh, uh, tap into the knowledge um, as far as um, self-help and uh, the other types of um, experiences that these guests provide um, to our listeners, um, to me, because I definitely like uh, listening to these interesting people as they do their thing. And uh, today we have a really cool and interesting guest on, which is uh, goes which goes by the name of Jasmine S. Young, who is a author, philanthropist, and financial educator, as well as an accounting solutions provider. Uh, she actually is the founder and CEO of the Southern Tax Preparation and Services uh, Company, which is a accounting firm she established in in 2014 in efforts to spread financial literacy around the globe. Uh, as a certified public accountant and a certified fraud examiner, she has over five years of experience providing clients, both individuals and businesses with tax, bookkeeping, bookkeeping financial consulting, credit counseling, and various other accounting solutions. Uh, so she really knows how to work them books and to uh, check them out and make sure everything is going uh right in many different facets because she has almost 10 years of experience in government accounting and having served as auditor for three different government agencies. So she is also touching it from the government as well as the private side and um, helping individuals that need these, uh, these types of assistance, um, which range on all different types of industries. Um, and all different types of um, companies, whether you have a corporation or a C Corp or S Corp individual or LC, even um, nonprofits. Uh, so everyone is definitely important to make sure that your tax work is in, is in order. You don't want to get into it with the IRS um, because they will freeze everything you think you owned. And uh, that will not be a good look um, when you got a boot on your car and house because of some measly dollars. Um, well, sometimes it could be thousands or millions of dollars, but if you don't have a person on your team to really help you manage it, it's a burden to really try to figure all that out yourself, um, unless you're a genius. But even geniuses know they have to delegate something to somebody um, at one point uh, or the other. Um, shout out to my uh, polymaths that are out there. Um, so she has a lot of complex services uh, and uh, can definitely help you with your plans on creating a really good business and making sure that you're in order with the uh, BBB and, and everything you can uh, really think of. Um, and she is located um, in the, uh, the Georgia area. Um, so if I'm not mistaken, but uh, she can help people uh, globally. So taxes um, for your company, you definitely got to make sure wherever that company is created that you're following the rules and laws for that uh, part of the world that you're in. And um, wherever you have uh, working on your team um, can uh, research and uh, 
apply these laws correctly uh, to your uh, situation. Um, so that's why it's definitely important um, to have that in order. Um, nobody wants to, to get all successful, create a successful business and all these uh, different things, then you get sued by the government for your capital or income or money or whatnot. That's definitely not a good look. Um, so so no further bold we have uh I believe the two five one uh, is that would that be Jasmine? Yes, this is me. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, it's an honor to have you um, here with us on the line. Um, you're definitely doing uh, amazing work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for the people that um, may not be aware of you, um, where are you? Uh, uh, you know, working from and and uh, you know. Tell us a little bit about you um, that I definitely probably did not mention. So, yeah, uh, Southern Tax, I am the founder and CEO of Southern Tax Corporation and Services, which is a premier accounting firm. Um, We are located in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, However, we are able to serve uh, people no matter where they are. So you don't have to live in um, Atlanta, Georgia to actually uh, work with us. Um, We have a – a contactless business model. Uh, we actually set this business model up back in 2014 when we first started to be able to serve people no matter where they are. So even in the midst of a pandemic, um, we really didn't run into any hiccups because we were already running um, in the event that some uncertain situation came about and we could not physically meet face-to-face with a client. So um, don't be hesitant if you're not in Georgia and you want to work with us. Um, We're definitely able to do that. Um, A little bit about me. I am from a small town um, in Alabama, and uh, it is about an hour above Mobile, which is called uh, Jackson, Alabama. Clark County, I'm pretty sure nobody has ever heard of it because if you're not from there, you wouldn't know. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I grew up uh, in a small town, um, just me and my brother, my mom and my dad. Um, The one thing I would say that's a little bit different about me and my upbringing is that I am an eighth Indian. Um, My family still lives on Indian reservation territory. Um, Both both of my great-grandmothers were both um, full-blooded Cherokee Indians. So um, I grew up on my own land, um, and not a lot of people can say that. So that's one thing about my, uh, my life that I'm actually proud of, still have family members there, um, and I just love, I love numbers. I, I'm probably a little bit OCD. My family will probably tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, I count everything. Even as a child, just counted. I counted my steps. I would count the number of tags I saw on cars. Anything you could probably think of counting. I did. I don't even count my food particles. It's just weird <laughs> stuff like that. But <laughs> But, yeah, um, that's a little bit about me. Um, didn't really come from a rich family or anything like that. My mom was a um, a seamstress at the local Vanity Fair, and my dad was uh, a trash man, for the lack of a better word. So I um, came from an average working family, and I just wanted to be a resource to my community, and, and that's what I did. Uh, interesting, interesting. Um, so did you go to school in uh, Alabama, or is that why you relocated yes. to ATL? Yeah. So I actually um, I got my bachelor's from 
uh, Alabama A&M University, located in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, and then I got my master's from Grantham University, which is located in Lynette, Kansas. Oh, that's very interesting. Interesting. Um, with that uh, southern um, southern Alabama um, background in a small town, uh, what was the transition uh, like when you uh, went to ATL? Um, were you already privy to it by going to such a big school? Um, yeah, I would say that, well, moving to Atlanta, this was my, my second move out of the state of Alabama. So my first move out of the state of Alabama um, I actually worked as a contract specialist uh, with NASA in Houston, Texas. Um, I was actually there when the space program ended. So that was my first big city move. Um, and it was in me going there, I realized, mm, Texas is a little bit too much for me. So I came back to Alabama. And to be honest, moving from, from southern Alabama to, to Huntsville, Huntsville was considered a big city to me because I, I loved it. At the time when I first got there, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to stay here forever. And, you know, after I graduated from college, um, got my bachelor's, I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to stay here. So um, I figured the, next, the, the closest place to me um, that I could move to that wasn't too fast but it wasn't too slow was Atlanta. So um, I came here. But, it, of course, I had traveled various other places before. Um, working as a, a federal government auditor, I had traveled all around the world. So I had been to D.C., been to Baltimore, been to Texas, been to, you know, other big cities to say, um, you know what, I think Atlanta is the place to go. I had been to L.A., been to Vegas, you know. So Atlanta was, um, it it's fast enough, and it's still close to home. So I, it's driving distance to where if I wanted to just go home today, I could Okay, how long is the drive? The drive is about, well, on a good day, three and a half hours, but my parents will probably tell you four and a half, five, but they just drive slow. <laughs> All right, I guess well, working with with the government got you a bit confident on them rules out there. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to go somewhere, get out there and drive. My dad always told me uh, as a kid, he was like, if you can read, you can go wherever you want to go, and I literally did it. I mean, I got in my car one day and drove from Huntsville, Alabama, all the way to Chicago by myself. So, yeah. Oh, wow. It, it will do it. That's amazing. <laughs> that's and that's amazing. 11 hours. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've definitely um, done long-distance driving myself um, like that. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely – it's cool to see all the different things along the way. And then when you finally get there, um, definitely amazing. Um, so um, – as far as uh, crunching numbers and, and doing taxes uh, and starting your own business, um, what actually initiated that in 2014 um, when you had such sound, uh, uh, cushy, cushy sounding uh, job with the government? So I always knew I came to school um, with the thought in mind that I wanted to uh, have my own accounting firm. I actually knew ever since I was in high school, and I'll tell you why. I was um, one of the three co-captains of my high school basketball team. And um, when you're the captain at the t at back then, if you were the captain, you got to choose, you know, what your uniforms and what your shoes would be for the team that year. So I'm sitting down with the other two co-captains, and we're looking through the different catalogs, just trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to wear 
um, and just come to an agreement. And I was impatient as a kid and, and even still a little bit sometimes now. But um, I got tired of looking through the catalogs, and I told the other two captains, I was like, hey, you know, whatever you guys choose, just let me know, and um, and I'll pay for it. And the comment that I got back from one of the co-captains was, well, everybody's not fed with a silver spoon like you, Jasmine. And no lie, it pissed me off. I was very upset <laughs> because in my mind, I didn't think that I was fed with a silver spoon. I didn't think I was privileged or anything. Uh, like I said earlier, my mom and dad, uh, we were working class. My mom was a seamstress. My dad was a trash man. Um, the only thing that I could tell a difference in is that I had an example out of my parents. Um, I watched them work hard. Um, they both came from um, um, poverty-stricken families. Um, they didn't have much, but I watched them work hard. I watched them hold each other accountable for the income that was coming into the house, how that income was allocated so that my brother and I had everything that we needed and some of what we wanted. And if we couldn't get what we wanted, they set us down and they explained to us why. And when they said why, it wasn't a, oh, because we said so. It was because of, hey, we're we're trying to move. We're trying to buy another house or we need another car and, and we can't do that by buying you, you know, whatever it was at the time that we wanted. Um, mm. And then also we saw them, whatever the, whatever information as it relates to finances that they didn't know, they saw education. They asked other people. They went to the, the different banks and went through programs to learn about, you know, what is it that we need to do to acquire A, B, and C. So I realized that, I got the bare minimum from my parents as it relates to a foundation about finances. And that's what my, what my co-captains didn't see because they weren't getting it. So it was at that, at that point that I realized the bare minimum that I'm getting just to give me a foundation, other people around me aren't getting it. So it looks as if I'm privileged when in actuality I'm getting what everybody should be able to get. So I wanted to be the resource that people could come to um and get that foundation so that they can so that they can excel um and 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 build generational wealth like my parents have been able to do for my brother and I so that's what that was the whole idea behind southern tax so when i took the job working with the federal government i didn't forego um my dream of having an accounting firm and, and being that that financial resource to my community and anybody else that I came in contact with, but I took it as a way of saying, you know what, this is a means to an end. A lot of, a lot of uh, business owners these days are bootstrapping their businesses. Basically, they're taking the money from, from their day-to-day job and an investment into their business. Very, very common, very common um, investment method, and that's exactly what I did. I, I started off doing taxes. Back in 2014, that was our flagship service, and then slowly progressed um, to doing other things, bookkeeping and payroll, getting my CPA license, those type of things. Um, so I always, I, I began my federal career with the end in mind that I'm going to end up being um, a global global uh, chain of accounting firms, which is what I've always wanted. Oh, oh that's your goal, or is um, as far as creating offices in different parts of the globe, you're saying? Yes, that's my goal. Oh, okay. And how far along are you in um, getting that? And what type of help would you need to um, continue to achieve that goal? 
So I put my first office in Atlanta. Um, I have a physical office here. Um, I want to go back to Alabama and let that be my second office because I started there, and, of course, that's where I'm from. So it's only right that I go back and and start there and start putting different offices around the globe. But um, in doing that, you know, um, scaling your business is so many different aspects to it. Um, even though that's what I want, you you have to be strategic about that. You know, what does that look like financially? Um, what does that look like from a human resource standpoint? So um, just growing all around to be able to support having different offices all over the globe is where I am now. Great, great. Um, that That's amazing. Um, and as far as uh, – places around the globe um, besides the U.S., I'm assuming maybe somewhere in New York or L.A., um, what other places around the globe would you um, be looking to um, start uh, doing this type of work? I definitely want to go international, but, of course, I have to go back to the motherland of Africa. I want to have a firm there. I feel like once I have one there, (laughs) in my mind, I can say I made it. Yeah, that's pretty pretty amazing. Um, yeah. I'm just, it just got me picturing coming to America and Eddie Murphy. And yeah. That movie that's be coming out. Um, right, next month. <laughs> uh, right, right, right. And, and speaking of the motherland and how you mentioned you, you're actually Cherokee Indian um, as far as your family heritage, um, what does – I mean, you said living, having your own land um, was great, but what does that mean to you? Or, like, are there, like, differences that you um, have had or were able to experience in life because you were um, American Indian heritage and can trace back your roots um, pretty directly? Uh, Did you have a different type of – go ahead. To be honest with you, as a child, I really didn't understand what it meant to be an Indian or to be to li- to say I live on my own land. Um, I just thought, man, everybody that comes to our house thinks, oh, you live so far away, and it's it's so many trees and woods and this and that. And and I thought, you know, back then as a child, I was like, man, I want to live in the city. I want to live in a a brick home with a, a gated uh, driveway. I that that is what I pictured um, wealth to be. I had no idea as a child that I was living in wealth all along. Um, now it's it's very rare that you come across people that can say, "Hey, I have my own land," or "I live on my own land," um, and it's just acres and acres of just land. So um, I would say um, as a child, I wish I had known what I had then. And I wish I had known then what I know now, basically. Um, now it's, it's, it's sort of a, it's a thing to be proud of, um, to say that, hey, yes, I do know my heritage. I actually have a, a picture in my home now of my great-grandmother who was an Indian. Not many, a lot of, and I'll say this, a lot of African-Americans always say, oh, well, you know, we're all Indian and we all have this in our blood. But to be able to trace it and see with my own eyes, my ancestors, 
um, and know that this blood does reside in me, not just by hearsay, but by proof. I actually did AncestryDNA.com to prove it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a different kind of pride. I would say that. I would say that definitely. The, yeah, that's so interesting. Um, having traced back my my family's uh, roots, um, as my parents, uh, you know, came from Haiti, which is Hispaniola. Um, definitely interesting to me, um, all that, um, especially when going in different uh, big cities around New Jersey and different places around the United States and to see the John Trotten people that don't really realize that they actually are the American Indians. Um, right. As far as black people, but they've been so disenfranchised that mm-hmm. they, that's not going to be on their mind. Um, right. Right. And uh, for my family to come from Haiti and to come over here and to learn about the Tainos, Indians that live there in Mexico and different parts of the Caribbean and or whatnot, to, to have them almost completely demolished and then for Africans to come from Haiti to replenish the plantations um, and then later for Haitians to come over into the U.S. to help fight the different U.S. wars um, as mercenaries and to help free the U.S., basically. Um, It just shows you the different um, instances and intricacies that um, people can play in history. But um, when one does realize who they are in the president and now, um, it can be a powerful thing if – you know, use the right way, especially sometimes the government gives grants and loans um, mm-hmm. to these they types do. of people. Um, what uh, were you, um, what were some um, advantages as far as um, taxes or grants or loans that you were able to utilize because you are American Indian and then also you're a woman? And then I'm not sure if you also use the, the black status. So to be honest with you, I didn't I didn't even use my heritage to take advantage of any of those things because I was unaware at the time that I could. So um, oh. unfortunately, I didn't even get a chance to take advantage of those things. Um, by the time I realized that, hey, I was already through school, um, and I had went to school on a full scholarship anyway, so it was like, hey, I'm, I mean – um, even though that is one of the advantages um, that you can take advantage of being an American Indian, um, I didn't. But luckily, mm-hmm. lucky, luckily enough, I already had a free ride to where I didn't um, miss out just because of of not knowing that hey, we could have used this um, to get a free education. Right. Yeah, it seems like the ancestors were looking out for you uh, anyway. Huh? Right, you, uh, right, right. I was so glad about this. I was like, man, I would have been so upset knowing that, hey, I could have went to school free because I'm an Indian and, and I didn't. Right, right. But, um, you know, there's there's a lot of laws or different things that even people of right. in black status or whatever mm-hmm. um, dis- disenfranchisements can still use. Um, even without right. that, so uh, so I don't think um, that is necessarily holding people back from taking advantage of whatever's out there. But right. um, the extra, I'm sure, wouldn't 
wouldn't hurt. Um, of course, of course. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, uh, as far as uh, being uh, Indian or whatnot, um, how did you uh, actually get to learn about that and uh, it be introduced to you? Um, what was that experience like? So, I I know we were always told as a child that, oh, you have Indian in your blood, but we just took it as, oh, you know, old people here just talking or whatever. Um, it was actually until, I would say, about three years ago, four years ago, when I started tracing um, started tracing my ancestry that I actually um, took the information back to my family with pictures. Hey, this is our great-grandmother. This is, and I was able to lay out the whole pedigree of where we came from and um, uh, the Creek War, which is the war that happened around our, our uh, area. So the, the reason why we ended up on the land in the first place. Um, that was yeah. a, um, it was a very, I would say it was a very, it was enlightening, but at the same time, like I stated earlier, it was a just a proud moment to know that all of this history lies in my family. And just explaining it to so many of my family members and saying, hey, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but I was able to present them with some information that they didn't know and track down some family members that we didn't even know existed. Wow. Um, so it was a very... Um, even though it was enlightening and it was very um, a very proud moment, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say there were some who were reluctant to the history coming out. Because, of course, we know back in the day, you know, with slave, slavery and everything, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of people um, married each other when they were actually already related. So a lot of oh, people... Really? Um, yeah, a lot of people were hesitant about uh, me going too far or spreading too much information. And I'm just like, hey, if this people need to know <laughs> if they're related, they're related. Um, and it's not really our fault. It's because, I mean, we were we were displaced people. How were you to yeah, know who was related? Prisoners of war. Yeah, how are you to know? So. Um, I feel like um, the more knowledge that we have about where we came from, it gives you this sense of pride of, of how to, to go forward, how to move on. So um, it was challenging at times, and it, and it, and it still is. We, we still um, are building our pedigrees and swabbing people that we may meet just to see what the connection is. Um, to, you know, continue to find out, you know, just where we came from. One of the things that uh, we've been working on lately, um, aside from being a Cherokee Indian, I would really like to know um, my tribe from the motherland. Where do we, where specifically did we come from? So that's one thing that we've also been working on. Um, and it's not as easy as being able to find your Indian heritage. Um, so, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what that what that's gonna be like. Yeah, that's that's definitely interest interesting. Um, because um, at that point, I believe the pris the Indians were prisoners, becoming prisoners of war, and their land being taken from them. 
um, or whatnot. Right. And then the one way that this was done was the Europeans would uh, marry, I guess, the chief's daughter, usually killing the chief mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and then, you know, intermarrying, having kids, creating, you know, mixed races. And then mixed they children. would become yeah, mulattoes. Right, right. Um, and then their mulatto kids would usually have a little bit more rights um, or whatnot. And uh, they basically took over the the tribe that way and uh, took right. over the land and all the resources. Um, and then and then the religion and Bible mixed in or whatnot. Um, so this mm-hmm. is a lot of what's going on with blacks today and how they're, a lot of them are stuck in, you know, different religions and um, mm-hmm. are afraid to study these types of histories um, because going into it might uncover, like you say, some things you don't want to see or hear about. You know, it's not right. all like for Haiti, for example, it's not all just us, you know, fighting wars and you know, winning and this and that. It's a lot of um, women and children being molested and killed in ways we don't even really want to think about. Um, Why? Because when these when these Europeans wanted the land, they wanted the gold, they wanted the water, they wanted the re- they wanted everything, especially the gold that was to the west at one point. Um, so they were willing to do anything, um, anything for that. But um, which is why in, I appreciate how you can turn that around today um, and utilize whatever resources around you and then create your own business and even work in the government that at one point was against you, but find ways to, you know, you get everything and turn it to an advantage. Uh, so that's really amazing how you were able to flip that around um, into a positive and um, continue your global quest to bring in financial literacy around the world. Um, as far as uh, financial literacy, um, what are some key um, components you want to um, express to our audience as far as, you know, making sure they pay their taxes for one and um, other things that you might think they might not be aware to do when it comes to you? I'll, I would say, um, Yes, of course, taxes um, are important, and that is one facet, of, one facet of financial literacy. But I would think I would say one of the most important things to learn about financial literacy is the basis of it all is budgeting. Um, mm. If you're not able to budget, then you won't be able to pay your taxes because you aren't allocating your resources as you should. If you're not withholding the right amount from your taxes and you're not budgeting for that tax liability that you're going to have to pay because you weren't withholding the right amount, then, you know, that's going to put a, that's going to put a damper on your tax situation. Um, same thing with credit. If you overuse credit, if you misuse credit and you don't have the funds to pay that credit off because you don't know how to budget, then you're going to end up with a bad credit score. So, just from those two examples, you can see how if you don't budget your money, you can it, it, it pretty much creates a domino effect. So if you want to be financially, financially literate, start with that budgeting piece first. And a lot of people have a negative connotation about budgeting. When they hear budget, they think, oh, where you're broke or you're on punishment or, you know, it's a painful process. I'm not saying that budgeting is, is – um, not painful at times, but it's trial and error. 
Um, it's a means to an end. If you wanna if you wanna meet a financial goal, you gotta have a budget. Millionaires, billionaires today, they run their operations, they have a budget meeting in their businesses because you can't do anything. How do you know what resources you have and what resources you can use for other things if you don't have a budget? So I would say start there. Start there. And then another thing I would say that is very important, especially in our community, is having an estate plan. A lot of people, especially African Americans, if you say estate planning, they have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Um, and it goes deeper than just having a will. Um, I'll use for an example um, Chadwick Bozeman, um, Black Panther. He died without an estate plan. No will, no trust, no nothing. In a situation like that, your estate, basically everything that you've accumulated would go to the state with you that you reside in, and it would go through a process called probate. And when you go through probate, number one, probate could take months, even years, um, to settle. Um, so if you were the primary um, breadwinner in your family and you did not have an estate plan in place and you're waiting on the state to release your assets from probate, you could possibly be putting your family in a dire situation um, because you didn't have your affairs in order. And then, two, having an estate plan is your way of being able to speak beyond the grave and say, in the event of my uh, untimely death or my expiration, this is what I want to happen. This is the legacy that I want to leave my family. You can do that through an estate plan. So having a will and a, and a trust together would bypass the entire probate process to where when you die, your your assets don't go to probate. They go to your trust. And from your trust, right. your assets are dispersed by your um, the executive of your estate to whoever your oh. beneficiaries are. Oh, okay. So that's, right. that's, yeah, a, that that's a very, very important process um, that a lot of people don't think about. Um, it saves families a lot of heartache. Um, it's already hard enough to lose a family member, um, but to lose a family member and have to worry about finances and people fighting over who's going to get your things and things, it just makes it that much harder um, to deal with the death. So having an estate plan in place, um, I would say budgeting is the first step. Estate planning is the last from from birth to death, you need to have those at at a minimum those two things in order. Definitely, um, which is why so many white families or Jewish or wealthy, if you don't want to yeah. um, put it to a thing, um, a lot of them will. The, these kids, when the mom or dad dies, it'll be like a million dollars at times that they'll get. Right. So, um, which you know if. If black people or you know, I don't like to to do color uh, too much because you know everything's mixed. I have a lot of Caucasian right. friends that go through the same stuff or or whatnot, and I've had right. you know African Americans do dirty stuff. But anyway, to what people might understand, um, you know, these white families or whatever have you know millions of dollars that enables them to succeed after an untimely death where. So many black families don't, and we can see the differences in um, how it's these experiences. Um, 
for example, there'll be a lot of T-shirts being sold with pictures on them or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now people are doing um, GoFundMe's, GoFundMe. which, becoming a, which puts one's business out there. And then sometimes people just don't have they they don't have they can't really do anything and whatever the cheapest thing they can do is what's done. Um, right. So, right. Um, so not to hold it against and to, anyone. And to your point. Any, Mm-hmm. So your point, the reason they're able to leave these legacies, these million dollars of their uh, of funds to their loved ones is through life insurance, which is what a lot of right. us don't have. So I always tell people, if you want to leave a legacy to your family, a life insurance policy is the way to go. It's tax-free money. And that's how our counterparts are getting a one-up on us because they're having these policies put in place when when these when the babies are born, uh, whereas we wait until death happens to figure out okay how are we going to move forward. So we have to start looking at things from a um, proactive standpoint rather than rather than uh, retroactive. And I think that's where the the disconnect with us between us and them um, lies, and why there's so such a big wealth gap between the two. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and things like this um, are not uh, by chance. Uh, there's a reason right. why um, certain people can't afford uh, life insurance, um, whatever the price it is um, in these uh, urban areas or whatnot. And it takes people like you and even like my family who left Haiti um, to, to get to a more structured uh, place Um you know, to really do their best to create wealth and um, uh, to create wealth or whatnot for their families and um, to come in the future as well. Uh, so it, it's a lot of, uh, it can be a lot of work, um, but it's with focused effort, um, it could be done. Um, so I don't like to make excuses for anyone, even though I know things can be tough. Um, some at a certain point when you get the knowledge, um, a person has to figure out how they can take the steps towards a a better goal and initiative. And um, because so many people have done it before us, and if certain people didn't do certain things, we wouldn't even be here the way we are. Um, And it's like a fact, and we have to eventually, it would be nice for if everyone could take uh, homage to that, but that may not always be the case, and it, it may take individuals like you and a lot of your friends and um, to, to to make these things happen. Um, so I really do appreciate you for taking the time to come on. Um, Absolutely. And uh, hope definitely, definitely. Um, I do have a corporation and a, my own trust, so hopefully we can work together somehow um, in the future. Sure. And of course, uh, we're we're. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And um, to all the little girls out there and even the little boys, you know, you know, I try to keep it a balance between the matriarchy and patriarchy. Um, for all the little girls out there, um, you can definitely do it, too, and um, make your dreams and goals happen with some focused effort and some right decisions and, and listening to the right people. And uh, Jasmine Young is um, a, definite, a definite amazing example of this. Uh, reality and fact, and um, 
appreciate you again, uh, Jasmine, for coming on and enjoy the rest of your uh, amazing week. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Anytime, anytime. Welcome to ha- we'll be, we'll be welcome to have you on in the future. And uh, absolutely. Thank. Anytime, anytime. Uh, so take care. And uh, to all the listeners out there, there you have it. Uh, we had the amazing uh, Jasmine Young on the CPA philanthropist, um, just downright amazing uh, woman and. Uh, she can definitely help you out with your companies, uh, your nonprofits, LLCs, and uh, get your books in order and everything to that manner to make sure that you're good with the BBB and uh, you can check globally as well. So to all our amazing uh, Muscova Media Podcast listeners, appreciate you for rocking with us and tapping in and uh, sharing and uh continuing to uh, send us amazing guests. Uh, Thank you so, so much, and appreciate you, iTunes, iHeart, Block Talk Radio, and uh, all the other amazing networks like Spotify, Google Podcasts, that we are spreading the word. And we are definitely looking for new amazing networks to join with the podcast, so definitely uh, come our way. And uh, thank you again to our sponsor, Dancing and Life, uh, where you can learn how to uh, dance and um, use movement to enhance your life. And uh, let's make it happen and uh, continue to um, spread positivity, uh, which is what's needed around the world uh, in in good ways and um, normal ways. Um, but again, let's um, continue to do good that we can. Uh, with what we have around us because anything is possible if you work towards it. Uh, This is something that I know for a fact. So once again, to to all our Muscova Media podcast listeners, uh, thank you for sharing and commenting on uh, on all our uh, social media pages. Uh, We really appreciate you. Um, because without you, it'd be a lot tougher to make this happen. That is why we continue to do what we do. And thanks again, and uh, love you. And we will be ending the program. Take care.